What is it, if I want them to buy retail, what can I incentivize them to buy retail right now? And then the most important thing is, you add on the deadline. There has to be a closed window for people to buy anything at retail. Hey, it's Brendan dropping in here on something special. I think the most important thing you can do in your life is to train yourself for real personal growth and success. What does that mean anyway? Well, you have to train your mindset and train your discipline so you can follow real habits of success so that you can break through, so you can win the day more often, so you can crush through all those fears and actually unlock your real potential for abundance and happiness and power and joy. But how? Well, like all learning and all breakthroughs, you have to choose first to learn, to learn from the best, to invest in yourself, to do the work, to do the daily work. You have to train with the best, and that's why we created Growth Day's Mastery Program. Listen, we're going to train you to make self-improvement a real way of life, to unlock your positive attitude and attributes at a whole new level, to get you way more productive and influential, to show you the life and career strategies that make you unstoppable and really work. But how do we do that? Well, Every single week, we bring you a new $50,000 or $100,000 keynote speaker, multimillionaire, or world's foremost expert to switch your brain into high performance mode, to teach you what really works in wellness, in health, in mindset, in productivity. People who really help you unblock and move ahead with really practical strategies for changing your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your mission, your purpose. Every month, we unlock a new course that would have cost you thousands of dollars to buy from other teachers on brain health or positive psychology or confidence. Every year, we give you free tickets to an unbelievable motivational and transformational seminar. Every day, I give you an advanced life coaching audio to keep your mind sharp energized, focused, motivated, confident, ready to serve and to lead and to win and build your greatest future at the levels you dream of. And I promise you, you are capable of. Every day can truly be a growth day for you, but it takes mastery in life. And that's why we have our new program, Mastery Level in Growth Day. You can go to yearofmastery.com and it will direct you to our best program in Growth Day. This is for those who really want the advanced level, who really want a breakthrough, who are tired of, hey, listen, podcasts are great, but training is another level. Go to yearofmastery.com. You deserve to join the world's number one membership for advanced personal growth and success right now. This is a membership of the real people doing the real work who have a positive mindset, a growth mindset, a willingness to be a role model, to be a leader, to serve, who desperately and deeply and joyfully love personal development, to challenge themselves, to push themselves, to achieve great things in life. Go to yearofmastery.com. Let's go. Yearofmastery.com. This session today is covering the two types of book campaigns and how to think through them. And these, if you're even not launching a book, that's okay because 
launching a book is launching like any product. So these two campaigns will be something to be thoughtful about. Then we'll talk about affiliates, and then we'll do lots of Q&A for you as well. Okay, so first off, let's talk about the two different types of campaigns, okay? When you're launching a book, you're gonna have two different types of campaigns. The first campaign is called your retail campaign. Let's just call it retail plus bonuses, okay? And let's walk through what that means. In our space, uh, you know, because I'm doing books. Now, remember, you might be doing a whole different type of product, right? You might be doing a product that you're launching, you know, uh, in Target or Walmart or in your local store that you have that you own. I don't know what it is. But there's always one type of campaign, and that's the retail campaign. And that retail campaign is just a straight up, here's the price, here's what the product is, but here's other incentives for buying it right now. So when you do a launch, you always want to think about what can we give to those who buy it during that launch week that's special. You know, sometimes you'll see in retail, you'll see things like, hey, it's a two-for-one offer when they launch. You'll see sometimes, hey, it's a, you know, we're doing a, a you know, buy one, get one half off. You might see one, hey, buy this, get that. Those types of retail launches are really powerful. Same thing in our industry. In our industry, in, when we're talking about books, okay, in the book industry, here's how this one is gonna work. This, let's call this, if, this were, if what we're launching is a book, what this campaign ends up looking like is we're gonna do an Amazon campaign plus, we're doing an Amazon campaign plus bonuses. Okay, so what does this mean? In my case, I'll give, you, I'll give real examples here so it's tangible. So when we go to launch High Performance Habits, we'll do a big promotion where we push everybody to Amazon or to our page. So we control the page, okay? So we like brendan.com forward slash whatever it is for this book, okay? They land on my website, in other words. And I'll say, hey guys, buy this book right now over on Amazon. There's a link on this page, a button. Click that, buy it on Amazon then get your order number, come back to this page, enter your order number, and we'll give you these extra free gifts. In this case, I'm gonna give away a ton of stuff with this book. I, in the past, just to give you some ideas, I've given away uh, you know, multi-week courses, online courses. I've given away live casts and webinars. I've given away audiobooks, worksheets, uh, tickets. I mean, I've given lots of different things away. So your job when you're launching anything is to say, okay, what's, what is it, if I want them to buy retail, what can I incentivize them to buy retail right now? And then the most important thing is you add on the deadline. There has to be a close window for people to buy anything at retail, right? So, so when I say retail, it means we're not discounting the thing. So there's no discount to the book, as an example. We're just sending them straight to Amazon. They gotta buy on Amazon, right? I'm not doing, uh, you know, get this book free kind of thing. We'll talk about that later. It's straight up Amazon. If you do that, you'll get bonuses, but you have to do it by a specific date. So these are all things that you strategize in advance of the campaign. So always be thinking, okay, if we're gonna launch something, let's launch the retail thing first. Full price, always go full price first. A lot of people say, well, Brandon, shouldn't I launch, you know, and, and, and give them a, a special discount or, or go low price and then to high price? I say, it depends on what you're doing. Low price to high price, 
uh, over a period of time with the deadline is good for like event tickets, like early bird registration, early bird buyers. You've heard that conversation before. I don't recommend that in book campaigns, right? You don't need that. A book is only, you know, 20 bucks or less. So people don't need to do it. When you're talking like products that are hundreds or thousands of dollars, giving it an initial launch discount, great idea, right? Great idea. So you'll see a lot of event people, they'll market their events and they'll say it's, you know, if, if you buy now, it's, uh, you know, a hundred dollar ticket. But then after this deadline, the ticket goes up to $300. Then after this deadline, the ticket goes up to $1,000. And that ratcheting up is a really great marketing strategy for those of you who are selling anything that are in the hundreds or thousands of dollars, especially when you first launch it, okay? But once you get that out that first time, then I usually tell people, you know, don't do that anymore. That ratcheting up, your list gets tired of it. They feel beat up by it. And most importantly, what I challenge you to do is learn to market at the price point that you want to charge. I'm giving you an example. Um, when I started, some of you guys know the story. Uh, when I started in the space um, of doing seminars, I had the great fortune and the misfortune of following Jack Canfield on stage. And Jack was my hero, as you know, uh, wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul series with Mark Victor Hansen. And he also uh, wrote The Success Principles. And he's, one, he's been one of the longest running successful guys in our industry. And I was, it was, I was just starting. And I was supposed to sell a seminar at this particular event. And Jack went before me and Jack sold, when he was on stage, I was backstage and they were saying, what are you gonna charge for your thing? And I was still not even sure. And I heard Jack say that he was charging $4,995. And it might've been $3,495, I can't remember. It was over $3,000 for what he was charging. I was like, oh my gosh. When I was backstage, I was like, I, she said, how much are you charge? I said, well, whatever Jack's charging. So here I am just starting my career, going to sell a seminar ticket, never done it before. And I'm gonna start charging, I'm gonna do it at like $3,000. I can't remember the exact price point. And I was terrified. But the good thing is when I stepped on that stage, I said, I'm gonna sell it at that price. I'd never delivered it. I have never done it. I knew my training and my curriculum was good, but it was literally the first seminar that I'd ever done on that topic. I was scared, but nobody knew, right? Inside, you can feel the anxiety, that's fine, but leverage it for energy. And so I chose, I said, I'm gonna go. And one of the things that taught me was this, charge your price and never apologize for it. And learn that, what, set any price you want. Don't worry about what's the market doing. Don't do all this, like, uh, unless you're in commodities, but uh, uh, we're not really in the commodity world. In the information space, you might have something that really helps people, you know, just completely change their life or earn thousands of dollars more a month or millions over the years. Whatever it is, you charge what you think it's worth. You charge price points based on the depth of what you're teaching, how distinct and different it is how much, how long they get access to you or the thing for, like duration is often the thing. How much you built your brand. You can charge for that too. But brand is last. Brand only gets you to charge more. Never charge less because you don't have a brand. Charge for the value of the thing you really believe you're delivering. I tell almost every person I've ever met, and I've been blessed to literally advise thousands of businesses at this point in my career, raise your prices and learn to market to that price. Learn to do promotions to that price. Set your ambitions for what we wanna charge 
and do the email copy, which we'll talk about, get the promotional partners, which we'll talk about, and set up the campaigns, which we are talking about, to make that price possible. And one of the ways to make something higher price possible is bonuses. Now, some of you are saying, why are you talking about this with books, dude? Because I recognize, look, in Marketing Monthly, some of you guys are doing books, some of you are not. But I want this to be valuable every single time. That I deliver something, every one of you can relate with it in some way or another. Whether you're doing a book or not, think about, like, if you want to charge prices more, you need to add more things to the offer. That's all. The offer still stays amazing. But now you're going to add in a couple of bonuses that are equally as valuable themselves. Okay? So I tell you all that because when I go to you know, promote something on Amazon, as an example, a book, I want my bonuses to be equally as valuable as the book itself. Matter of fact, my rule of thumb with a book is I want these bonuses to be 10x the value of the book itself. And I'm gonna give away three of those babies, right? now. Not every book launch, it's that way, because sometimes I might be giving like a specific worksheet oriented toward a number one problem that that customer might have. And I mean, how do you put the value on the worksheet, right? It might only, I might say, you know, worksheet's worth 20 bucks. But most of my campaigns and most of my major bestsellers happened because I offered a bonus that was like way more. Many people told me in the past, I've met them <laughs> out on the road or at my seminars, they said, Brendan, you know, I only bought your book because of, it got me the online course. I only about your book because it got me this one thing I really wanted. And I'm like, that's cool. I've got people tell me, Brent, I got your book. I wanted that bonus and I never even read your book. I gave it to somebody else. I say, you're a jerk. But no, I don't really care. All I want to do is make that transaction happen to increase the likelihood they will read the book or consume any other bonuses too. I want the bonus to be equally and more valuable. Now think about that for a moment, okay? I really want you to think about what I've told you so far. I spent three years researching this book and I'm trying to create bonuses that are the value of this book took me 10 years of my career to learn some of the best practices, three years to run full on, you know, academic research level um, data to see and empirically prove that this was the stuff. This was an unbelievably exhausting effort. And now I'm telling you, the bonuses will be just as good. That's how I think. And that's why I really believe some of our campaigns, uh, and to my knowledge, we have the most lucrative book campaign uh, launch of all time. And that was with the Millionaire Messenger. It did $4.4 million in 90 days. Book launch to 90 days later had collected $4 million. To my knowledge, it's the most lucrative book launch campaign of all time. Um, I'm sure it's been beaten or could be beaten. I'm just not aware of it. If it's happened, if it has, let me know about it. But it was a monster, monster launch. And remember, that's $4 million collected. It was just a monster of a campaign. And it happened because the bonuses were so good. Now, notice, though, I also want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not asking you to give the farm. I'm giving away three bonuses, high-value bonuses. Send them to a retail price. We send them to Amazon. Some of you say, well, why Amazon versus Barnes & Noble? Amazon's a little easier. Well, two reasons. One, market dominance. Amazon's got a billion credit cards from Amazon Prime members. One-click purchases speeds up the process. Less friction, higher buys, right? They're the dominant one. Number two, often deliver faster, which we care about. Number three, tracking and ranking is better. And number four, you know, with the affiliate program, 
you can have that button link, when you can link them over to Amazon, that's your affiliate campaign over to Amazon. Barnes & Noble also has their own affiliate thing, but it's, I don't like it, it's kind of janky. Um, and more people watch the numbers on Amazon because it's the bigger player, that's all. By the way, that's not speaking ill in any way of Barnes & Noble because I buy my books at Barnes & Nobles. You know, like the real ones, you know, you open a door and you go in, there's books on a shelf and they're there and you have to sort through them. I also buy my books at Powell's Bookstore, which is like, you know, eight blocks away from me right here in Portland, Oregon. That's where I get my books. I'm a physical book buyer, but I just want to tell you, this is how this campaign works. It's a retail campaign plus bonuses plus deadline. Now, some people say, well, wait, when should the deadline be? And what I usually tell people is it's the first, think about this campaign. You can run this, by the way, all year, no problem. So when I have this deadline, you're like, but I don't get it. Why is he saying there's a deadline? Because when you launch the book, listen, when you launch the book, you wanna have an exclusive bonus that's only available during the first two weeks of the launch, okay? So you do a launch to Amazon, you give some bonuses, one of those bonuses, okay? One of these is an exclusive. It's only happening in that two week window. Okay, only happening in that two-week window. For example, and I don't know what mine is just yet for high-performance habits, but I'm, I'm thinking, I haven't decided if I'm gonna be this crazy yet because it's so painful to do. But I'm thinking about if you do this in the first week of my book launch campaign, which is in September, uh, September 19th, I'm going to give away the audiobook of the book for free too which, you know, audiobooks are usually like four, especially for a book this long, because it's over 400 pages, it's, you know, 30, 40 bucks. I'm thinking I might be giving that away too for the first week, only for the first week. And then that pushes the sales up because a lot of people like to listen to the books. And then that will go away after that initial week or two, okay? And then we'll go back to regular things. And we can still be driving people all the time. Now listen, all these campaigns, if you've been with us in Marketing Monthly, make sure you're doing everything else we talk about, right? They're all hitting a page. So we send them to our page. So this would be our website as an example, okay? That's what a website looks like? Okay. Um, then we've got a video on there. We've got that button down there that says Amazon on it, right? This page, the reason we want them to hit this, this is on my page. We don't send them directly to Amazon at first. We want them brendan.com forward slash something, right? And the reason that we're doing this, you already know it, if you've been with us and you've been paying attention, a couple of reasons, I hope you're listening. Number one is those fancy pixels. Okay, we've talked a lot about this in other Marketing Monthly. You need to have your pixels on that page, your Facebook pixels or your other analytics tools, whether it's from YouTube or even Google Analytics. You need to have this page really smart, in other words, so that everybody who hits her, because guess what? A lot of people are gonna hit this and they're not gonna even click the button. They're not even gonna buy the book. They might not even watch the video. We wanna know who those people are. If they hit this page, we're gonna retarget them. If we're gonna hit retarget them with um, Facebook ads and YouTube ads. So they hit the page and then man, if they don't buy, because we get the pixels, if they don't buy in through the system, we don't get a purchase from that person or that pixel, then what we will do is we will retarget them all day long. For weeks, we'll follow them with ads over on Facebook and on YouTube. 
And that's really important. Now people say, well, how do you track? Well, one of the ways you track, they click here, they go to buy to Amazon, but remember, now they gotta come back and they gotta enter their order number into our page, into our form. So we're collecting their name, their email, their order number. So we are taking, essentially, information from them so we know who they are. And now we can choose to exclude them when they go through. So for example, we can exclude their email. Does that make sense? Okay, cool. Um, oh, and if they hit that thank you page. I was like, How's... when they hit the thank you page after they enter their order number, they'll hit there, that will pixel that they have completed the goal that we have set for them. Now we won't bug them with the ads, is that right? right. All right, okay. Pixels, fancy technology, here we go. All right, so this is the campaign. Now, when we first launch that campaign, we'll send everybody here. At some point in that campaign, we'll also do another email that drives them directly to the Amazon link and then tells them to go to this page and enter their order number two. So we're really kind of like having a multi-part to this campaign. Because remember, if, if you've been to Experts Academy, which I hope someday you will come to, if you're on this page, you got two free tuition waivers to Experts Academy. That's a $2,000 ticket. You got that for free. You just pay your materials fee, just like the $97 thing is usual. Make sure you get to an Experts Academy. That's advanced, advanced stuff. Um, but I bring all this up because a campaign is different than a promotion. If all we ever did is just promote this page one time, that'd be a promotion. But a campaign, you have to think of like multiple email sequences for, okay? So in this case, we'd send the first email maybe to this page. Then we send it to non-clicks. Anybody who didn't click, we'd keep sending it to non-clicks till they got to the page and they saw the offer. Then if they didn't, still haven't bought, we'll email them just a link, which we'll kind of email the detail in the, in the actual email. We'll say, hey, when you uh, click this link on Amazon, then go to this next page and enter your order number. So we'll give the link in the Amazon, to the Amazon thing directly in the email to try and increase, again, decrease friction. Make sense? So all of that's happening, and that is the first campaign. It's a really powerful campaign. If I feel like we brought any new magic to the book world, it was in 2007 and 2006, you know, you saw people doing bonuses that were, you know, they were doing like 50 different bonuses from all these industry leaders. And what I discovered is like 50 things confuse people. Just figure out three things to give that are really high quality, high value, okay? That, that makes it so much easier to do. Now, second campaign, Campaign number two. This second campaign is the free campaign. Okay, now the free campaign, this campaign is very similar to the other one, except now we're taking the order on our page, okay? So this one, you take the order. And people ask why all the time. I say because, well, when you send people to Amazon, Amazon, when they take the order, they don't give you any information, any insight into your customers, your buyers. You don't get their, uh, their, their um, contact information, their phone number, their mail. You don't get anything from Amazon. It just says a buy, a purchase happened. And you're left knowing nothing about your customers. So at some point, you want to flip to this campaign after the initial book launch, whenever you choose to. Now, people say, well, when do I know that is? It depends on your goals. Some people 
you know, if you're trying to hit bestseller, you're gonna push your campaign on Amazon usually for four to six weeks really hard. Just push, 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 get everybody to Amazon, run ads to Amazon, get as many people over there as you can. And that's really the focus. If you care about the bestseller stuff, uh, a lot of people don't. And, you know, and more and more people are caring less and less about bestseller because bestseller authors aren't the ones winning, business owners are winning. And business owners are people who collect information. When we take the order, we collect information. So for example, Motivation Manifesto. People can buy it on Amazon, but we also give it for free at motivationmanifesto.com. And the reason we give it there is that we collect the customer information. So we give it free, and let me give you a, a take on what this free campaign looks like if you haven't seen me teach it before. And I'll tell you a little bit about the insight about why we do it. Okay, if you haven't seen it, and you can see it now on motivationmanifesto.com as an example, okay, we'll have people click to get a free book, okay? Now, free book in this case means we literally bought the book for them. Like, there's no expense for the book. We bought the book for the customer. But we do charge at checkout. So once they see that page and they go to click checkout, they'll see here on the credit card order form that we are charging anywhere between 5 and $7. And that is for their shipping and handling. Now, some people get all, you know, fired up about this and they say, well, Brendan, it's not really a free book if you're charging for shipping and handling. I go, no, if you're not paying for the book, it's a free book. Well, you're charging people for shipping and handling. That's how you're making money. I'm like, no, we ship this book anywhere in the world for $7. I ship it to Israel for $7. I ship it to Johannesburg for $7. We ship it to Sydney for $7. We ship it to Bali for $7. We ship it to Hong Kong for $7. I'm losing on average $10 a transaction not making, and that blows people's mind. And once in a while we get some hate on the internet and people are just so uninformed, but they're like, you're saying it's free. I'm like, the book's free. I mean, you're welcome to buy the book, go walk in the store, it's $14, right? Go anywhere, the book is expensive. We bought them for you, that's free. But if you want it, I'm asking you to pay your shipping and handling so we don't lose our complete shirt on this thing. If you want it, look, I got them over here, sit in a big stack, they're free. But if you want to just ship it to you, I mean, if you want to come over here and get it from my office, you're welcome to it. That's free. But you live out of town, that's my expense. I'm sending it to you for shipping and handling, $7. So people have to say, how do you work that if you're losing money here? Well, that's because over here on the next page, we have a one-click upsell. And that is where we upsell something. And on that upsell, that's where we start either breaking even or start hopefully earning more money than what we have lost, or do we take them into the full campaign, which is the real goal of collecting this information is that we're now able to take them through all of our other products and programs over a series of weeks and months, right? So this person right here, I may make no money. I mean, if I'm shipping to Johannesburg, I've made zero money, right? even after this one-click upsell, even after they might see my first offer. But let me tell you about my, my last mastermind. Many of y'all know, uh, if you're not in my mastermind, you'd like to join, I'd love to have you. Just email my team and ask uh, about mastermind information. But I, we were doing our last mastermind, 
And uh, one of the mastermind members kind of raised her hand and, and she was telling her story of how she became a mastermind member. Now my mastermind is $30,000 a year or $60,000 per year. And she said, well, what happened was I bought Motivation Manifesto four weeks ago. And we were like, what? She bought Motivation Manifesto four weeks ago, went through, bought the upsells, then ended up being at a live event, came live event, asked the team about my mastermind, joined the mastermind. So on the spreadsheet, it looks like we're losing money here, but she's a $30,000 buyer. That really improves your numbers, right? When you're talking about seven to 10 bucks. So you have that long-term arc, but only when you take the order. So it's a different way of thinking about it. And so if you're doing a book, what I would recommend, you do your book, if you're after bestseller status, do your book launch on Amazon or on, towards Barnes and Noble and the retails, however you want, I don't care. That's the retail campaign. And just recognize in your mind, there'll be a retail campaign, got it. Then there's gonna be a free campaign. At some point, if you're a good marketer, I really highly recommend you flip the book over to your website. Now, it still is on Amazon, and Amazon can sell all day. Lots of people discover me on Amazon and, and buy the book there, and I never get their information. But if I can control it, I want that information. Now, the nice thing about this is those bonuses, I also offer bonuses with this, right? Buy, get it free, and I'll give you these bonuses. These bonuses that run forever, they're evergreen bonuses, they're just not as fancy as the retail launch, Right? Remember that I said there's an exclusive bonus with the retail launch? This one, they're good and they're of equal, you know, like the same kind of way. I try to think them, make them amazing, but they might not have that one just amazing exclusive bonus in there anymore. And then what's nice, once you have this set up, you just run it forever. We've been running Motivation Manifesto since October 2014. Think about that. Now we test and we tweak and we try to figure out new ways to drive traffic to that, YouTube ads, Facebook ads, affiliates, driving into this stuff. But this campaign just works, right? Now it works for me particularly because, you know, we could improve it if we did a couple more one-click upsells, no doubt. We could do it if we improve this first offer and we could get pretty much cash flow positive right off the bat in the first week or two if we chose to and we really pushed. Right now, we kind of, we're at the long tail. That's what my business has always been about. I want to develop a little bit more relationship with people over the long term. That's two ways to think about it. So I would say, if you're gonna do a retail launch, launch that product, launch that book, do that for four to six weeks hard, and then at some point, you want that information. So start taking it from your website. I've helped a lot of people who even sell products, you know, in a Nordstrom, or sell products uh, in, you know, uh, Walgreens, at some point, after the initial big launch goes, if it's not an exclusive contract, I say, get that baby on your website. You want that customer information. If you don't have that customer information, you don't have a long-term business. Bam. Okay, with that, now some people say, well, Brendan, how do you promote all this? And if you've heard me talk about traffic in the past, I'll give you a quick rundown on all of that. And that includes this conversation about affiliates. The three main ways to get traffic, one is ads, two is affiliates. An affiliate, if you're not used to that language, an affiliate is basically a promotional partner. Okay, a promotional partner. And then the third one is from your organic 
traffic or social. Okay, so we'll talk about that middle one was the promise today. Affiliates, when should you use affiliates? You should use affiliates right away, okay? Right away. People always say, I don't know if I'm ready for affiliates. I'm like, get us, like, when I started, my first five years, which for me were really the 2006 to 2011 area when I took this full time and I really went at, my first book was 2001, but then I had a job, a corporate job. And then in 2006, I left that job and I really went all in. And people say, well, Brendan, you, you're lucky you have all these affiliates. I'm like, I didn't have any affiliates. I went to a seminar, like an experts academy, but it wasn't, it, what, there was no experts academy, but you know, a seminar. I went to a seminar on marketing. I met all these people. And then I went and took courses from all these other people. And then when I had success, I reached out to them and said, I have some success. I'm, I'm doing this good, even though I was a small fish. And I said, good for you. And I created friendships. And then I created, and this is important, how do you know when to go get affiliates? When you've got a killer offer. When you have an offer set up online that's working, go get affiliates. And the conversation's like, you know, very, very simple. In the traditional world, it's like, hey, I've got this offer. It's converting. It's making money. Here's the conversions it gets throughout the process. And the people who like it are, you know, this demographic. You have that demographic. Would you be interested in introducing your people to this product or to my brand so they can come through this funnel because you will make money? Now, affiliates usually get paid 50% of that purchase. So you have to do the math and make sure that you have a product that can sustain that. Because So if they buy, they, the buyer buys something for $100, that means you would give the affiliate 50 bucks to say thank you, and you would keep 50 bucks. But remember, you also have the buyer. And the lifetime value of that buyer is way more than the 50 bucks you gave that person. So don't be cheap, right? I always give 50%. That's kind of an industry standard norm online. And you should stick to it. Be very generous with your promotional partners because they're giving you buyers who will buy over the lifetime value. It's priceless, okay? So first, set up your offer and test it. You might test it with ads. You know, just 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 500 bucks of ads to see, does this offer work? And if it works, then go out to the people you know who have demographics like that and ask them, hey, would you be interested? If you want a little more advanced uh, way of looking at the nuance of that, make sure you read my book, The Millionaire Messenger. There's a chapter in The Millionaire Messenger on promotional partners. Read it and follow the instructions where I give you the actual emails that we send out to promotional partners. Okay, so that's in the Millionaire Messengers chapter on promotional partners. Just follow that email template. It works like a charm. People still to this day are using that all the time. It's what I use when I reach out to people. And just so you know, when I reach out to people, the first reach out to an affiliate or promotional partner is always, how can I help you? What can I do for you? I like to introduce you to my family, my friends, my list, my social media. And I did that even when nobody knew who I was. I was tiny, I was the tiny guy going to the big guys saying, can I help? I'd like to introduce you. And most of them said, sure, here's an affiliate link, promote my stuff. I said, sure, and I'd promote it. And I'd get them one or two or three sales, but then I'd be on their radar. And I'd say, hey, I got you some sales. My, my people seem to like this. Um, maybe your people like mine. I've got this thing, can I tell you about it? And that's how it begins, very organically. We all wanna believe that we can just go to some website clearinghouse where there's, we're gonna find millions of affiliates. It doesn't happen that. The affiliates, almost always, the good ones, usually come from your network. Where do you develop a network? Going to live events. Where do you develop a network? 
doing your career and asking who the influencers are and learning from them and developing relationships with them. Sometimes that's a slow burn. It takes a while to do. It took me a while to do. But now I've got promotional partners who, I mean, man, if I turn them on, things happen. But for those who are like, but yeah, Brendan, you can do this. I've run our business for the last three years without any affiliates. We did no major promotional uh, partners in the last three years at all. We ran our entire business based off of ads and organic social. I like those because I can control those and they're a little less hassle. Affiliates, it's a lot of relationship management. And I like it, but I didn't want my business to be dependent on other people. I wanted to be able to control the outcomes specifically myself. But this is what started my career, no doubt. If I didn't have this in my first five years, it'd been a longer road. Now we got to talk about email copy. Because all these campaigns without email copy are just fancy web pages. We got to get people to your sites. Now, email copy is an art, but what I'd like to do is just in the, in the short time I have here, walk you through how I think about it, right? How do I think about copy in general? The way I think about it is in, in any given email, I can say tons of things. Now, I tend to keep, if you notice, most of my general emails out to my list, most of my general emails are usually seven to 10 lines long plus an image. So usually if you see my emails, they look like this. You know, that's, apparently that's what an email looks like today. <laughs> so they're like one sentence, two sentence, three sentence, four. Image of Travis Shields, look in there nice and your. Then one sentence, two sentence, three sentence, four, and I'm out. That's it, okay? Not that complicated. So that doesn't give me a lot of real estate. One, two, three, four lines, image. One, two, three, four, out. That might, now it's not always that way. Sometimes it's only three, sometimes it's two, but it's usually a couple lines, image, couple lines, out. That's it, okay? One image. Notice what's not here. No big fancy email templates with tons of, you know, columns and things here. Because if you want action, you need to minimize choice. So it's literally a link, an image, that's it, okay? So how do I know what I'm going to put in these opportunities here, these lines? Here's how I tend to think about this, okay? Any of these lines, I can say lots of different things, but what I want to focus on when I'm doing these is I want to remember that there's not that many things I can actually cover here, and I'm going to make a choice of all these different elements I'm going to have here, okay? Some of these elements that really work great in email copy are, let me write them out for you, questions. And my favorite one of all time, okay, this is sort of my Brendan Burchard special, is the have you ever. So you'll notice a lot of my emails start, have you ever struggled getting through to your spouse? Have you ever felt like you're exhausted by two o'clock in the afternoon? Have you ever had a lot of goals but felt like you weren't achieving any of them? Have you ever been successful but felt like you lacked clarity and didn't feel fulfilled? So that have you ever question, that's often one of the first three lines for me in some way or another. A question well-placed gets clicks, okay? So I'm always thinking, is there a question I can ask in here? And that's good. Then I'm also thinking, is there some kind of hook in here? 
And that hook might be where it's kind of like a bigger promise. It might be something really, it's gotta be something that's like fascinating. And it might be something that pushes on myths, a myth, okay? It's like a fascinating fact or promise and a myth. That might be somewhere in here. But here's where I think the real art of email copy lands. This is where most people forget that what you are always marketing is a feeling. I want to look through your email copy and I want to know the feeling you're after in that email. What is that feeling that you want to convey? Is that feeling like a sense of centeredness and, and, and heart-driven messaging? Is that feeling tapping in that frustration that they have, that restlessness that they have? Is that feeling like painting a picture of a, a future happy moment. Whatever your email is, I want you to always know the feeling. And I'll tell you, I think honestly, in the last maybe two or three years of my email copy, I got away from that because we we're so busy and I was typing so fast and just trying to keep things going. I forgot it. And it's returning to our funnels. Like you'll see with my high performance promotions, it's, deeping, it's going deeper after that feeling because I wasn't as intentional as I should have been. You know, my email copy from 2006 to 2011 was weaponized for that. And then I kind of just got tactical and kept going. And that's, that's fine. It still works, clearly, but not as much. That's something even I got away from. And I notice a lot of people have gotten away from. They really have lost that element of feeling. And here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to just go generically and say, I'm gonna make them feel. I want you to actually use explicit words tied to feelings. If you're trying to make them feel frustrated, say the word frustrated. Talk about that frustration, right? If you're talking about happiness, say the word happiness. Like, I want you to use explicit language, not try to get at it sideways, hit it. Say the emotions you want them to be experiencing. Don't forget that. That's really important. The other aspect of this, another thing that I'm always thinking of, and you guys hear me talk about this quite a bit, of benefit extension. This means in my emails, I'll often broaden the conversation from whatever I'm talking about. So it's not just about them. It's also about maybe their career, their family, their spouse, their mission. Like I want them to feel like this email isn't just about one problem point in their life that somehow I wanna connect what's happening in this copy to their overall life. So I might say something like, when you master this thing I'm teaching in this video today, then all of a sudden you will find yourself more productive, better to your spouse, and more focused on what really matters in your mission, right? That'll be one sentence, bam, 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 bam. It's like, master this thing, benefit in your spouse, in your health, in your career, in your focus, like, Wham, right? I want them to feel all-encompassing. That type of connection is really important, okay? Really important. Also, in here, obviously, I'm thinking about what is that problem they're facing? Now, again, I said you from the beginning, we might not cover all of these things. I want to know that I know this. What's the problem that I'm helping them deal with in here? But here's the way I focus on email copy. I'm not one of the... Um, the old school direct mail copy guys, they're great. And they're really, they really hammer on this problem part. 
Um, I don't. Instead, what I want to do is I want to transfer the problem to a challenge. And I think this is one reason a lot of people can't sell personal development as an example. They just hit home problem. Your spouse don't like you. You're fat. <laughs> you know, like you're failing. And they just hit that and hope you click. Instead, I switch it into a character challenge. I know they're having a problem, but I, say, I acknowledge it. I say, you know what? I have no doubt that sometimes you struggle with weight, but I also know that you're willing to challenge yourself to be more fit so you have more energy for your family. That's the magic of email copy. It's not just saying, are you dealing with, are you dealing with weight problems? It's, you know, maybe you're struggling in this area and what you want is this. It's tying problem and challenge and ambition often in one or two sentences together. Like, maybe you're struggling with this, you want this, so you're willing to do that, or vice versa. So I'll turn that, but I always wanna know, this is really important for our brand, how are we challenging this customer? If I don't know the challenge to the, their character, their contribution, their creativity, their connections and relationships with other people, I'm not, wielding influence. And that's what people tell me all the time, like, man, your emails really impacted me. I had someone on social media recently said, I don't really follow brand on social media because, you know, there's a lot of drama and there's a lot, you know, there's, there's a lot of like short inspiration things, but I love his videos or his emails because he's always pushing. I want your emails to always have that forward lean. Here's the thing that this industry lacks, all of it in personal development, stunningly, and I really believe in lots of other things. I want to know in all of this, over a period of time, when you're reading this, how is this ultimately leading to leadership? Is the tone you are using, the words that you are using in your email copy, leading some sense over a period of time to your brand positioning for you as a leader in your field of interest? So whatever field you're in, whatever industry, if I went and read the last 50 emails from you, is there a sense that you're leading? Whether you're cutting edge or you're using language that feels innovative or modern or you're directly challenging the industry, challenging the norms, challenging the client. I wanna feel that from you in the copy somewhere. Now, please, I know you guys are watching this and we're getting lots of, like, how do you do all that in one email? I'm like, you don't. Sometimes I'll do that one and that one, right? Sometimes that one, but if I don't think through all of these, I'm a horrible copywriter, right? Most copywriters write from their head of what they're thinking. That's not strategic. Because whatever you usually write the first time is usually wrong, at least an email copy. Whatever you write the first time, it's usually wrong. It's just like, it's started, it's good. It started the process and the flow, but then you need to go through a framework and go, okay, could I ask any questions here? Could I give any fascinating facts or bust some myths? Could I give a more emotional feeling? Could I lead better? Could I make sure I talk about their career, their family, or something bigger than them? Can I make sure I understand the problem, but I really frame it towards the challenge or ambition, because that is leadership. And then you start getting a little bit more of an engagement with them. And that's the magic of email copy. Keep it simple, but make sure you think through it. I spend a lot of time obsessing about my emails when I write them. 
right? I've got a team now who helps and supports a lot of that these days. But when I spent my first 10 years of this career writing all of my emails, 100% of them, I would obsess. I'd write it 20 times, then I would go to bed. I'd wake up, I'd look at it again, three or four times, and I'd write it. And people are like, oh, that's why he has the email results he has. Anyway, Flavia Vincenzi, I hope I got that right, Flavia. Some authors say it's better to have a team to launch a book. Even if you are at the beginning, engage someone that you know to help spread the news about the book. What do you think about that? Flavia, two questions there. First question is, hey, if you're starting and you have a team, man, you're lucky, awesome, good for you. If you can afford to buy somebody who knows, who's done a book launch before, good for you. But here's the deal. And this is what made all the difference in my life. So I hope you all listen to this, whether launching a book or not. When I got in this career, I said, I am going to learn the critical skills that are necessary to succeed in this industry over the long term. Launching a book, I knew it was one of that. Because launching a book is like launching any product. So I learned to do it myself. Now, back then, there was no Kajabi, which made the tools and the systems easy. There wasn't, any, there wasn't Facebook pixels. There, were bare, there wasn't even YouTube ads when I first started. I had to figure it out myself. So I learned to build my pages, and I wasn't a techie. I learned to write the email copy, though I had no idea how to do that. I learned how to use WordPress to build my pages. I had no money. I mean, literally, I was in bankruptcy, and I taught myself to do all of it. Now, some people say, well, Brendan, you're a great learner. I said, no, I'm a fast learner because that's all I do. When it's time to learn something that's critical to my success, I am all in. I don't get distracted. I just do that. And you say, yeah, Brendan, you were lucky because this or that. I'm like, I was bankrupt. Nobody knew me. So my whole thing is, Flavia, if you got a team, you got the money to hire a team, awesome, good for you. I would still say, even if you hire out, you make them come to your office, sit your butt down and teach you train, learn the skills, like everything could go away today. My entire team could walk out the door tomorrow. Maybe there's someday they will be like, man, I don't like this guy. But you know what? Everybody can leave and I can do every single piece of it. And honestly, I can do every single piece with this phone and with Kajabi. That would be all I need to start the entire company again, right? It wouldn't be as fancy or it would at scale, but I could do everything with this phone and Kajabi because I taught myself. Right? I taught myself to talk, I taught myself to sell, I taught myself to use the pages and the tools. So Flavia, I say, yeah, if you can have a team, great, but you still learn the skills. I think everybody in, our, in the thought leader industry, and this is controversial, but I say everyone in the thought leader industry should know how to put up a web page, create an offer, take the money at checkout, send a confirmation email. Like if your job, if literally your career is based on you selling stuff online, then it's important to learn how to do that. I just think that's, if you're the business owner, that's it. So if your team does walk out or your team isn't there or something changes, you are empowered with the skills to succeed in your primary field of interest. That's everything, okay? I think that's hopefully helpful. Next up, um, Monica Bloom says, I have a book and it's awesome, but I didn't launch it properly the first go around. I didn't know what I was doing. Any strategies on a relaunch campaign? Maybe add more new bonuses or just start over. Monica Bloom, do both. Let's make sure that we also get her access. No, first, here's what we do. Monica, if you don't already have Experts Academy, our $2,000 online course, you got it now, just for being here live. Second, here's what you need to do. Relaunch that book and relaunch it for the first time and pretend nobody saw it. That's it. 
I did the same thing with Life's Golden Ticket. I launched Life's Golden Ticket in 2007. Didn't do as good as I thought it would. Last year, you all saw me launch that all over again. And yes, add new bonuses, unless really nobody saw the previous ones. Add new bonuses and do a campaign like we talked about. If I was relaunching a book, Monica, I would relaunch the free book campaign, which is what I did uh, with Life's Golden Ticket. And it absolutely crushed for us. I would recommend that. So you have your readers, you have their contact information. You know who they are. So when you launch your next book, you can talk to them again. Uh, Zoe Amin, or Zoe, I'm not sure, depends on where you're from. I can't see the dialogue. Um, does the marketing campaigns work for the publishing on demand books? How? Absolutely. Zoe, or Zoe, I'll just say Zoe. Uh, the answer is same way. Publishing on demand is, uh, if you use like Create Space, which is Amazon's kind of publishing on demand, it's the same thing. You're still sending it to Amazon to buy the book. Now it's just Amazon printing and sending the book. If you use publishing on demand to order a bunch and have it shipped to your home, which I don't recommend, or disk.com, that's our fulfillment provider, D-I-S-K.com, they store and they ship all of our product. So when an order comes through on our website, they get that list at the end of the day automatically and they ship. I think they get it automatically now. It might be weekly. I think it's, I think it's daily for some reason. Um, I hope that helps. Yeah. If you want to self-publish or publish, it don't matter. Let's make sure we get Zoe that video you were telling me about where I kind of talk through my philosophy of writing books. Daniela Kuna asked, how do we know if some potential affiliates have the same demographic? How do we research that? Um, great question. What you want to do, Daniela, oops, I'm going back. Daniela, what you're doing is you're basically checking to see, is their social media following similar to yours? Are you following them because they're in the same field of interest? Your job is to not worry about the demographic the way that really bad marketers teach it, which is have an avatar, know how old exactly they are, where exactly they live, exactly how much income they have, how many kids they have, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you don't need to know that. Are they interested in your topic and what you teach at the broad level? Let me give you an example. And this is just, this is really hard for people to understand who've not done a lot of online marketing. You know, the, you know, ad agencies will always say, well, exactly how old is your customer? I'm like, I got 10 million fans on Facebook. We've sold millions of copies of books. We've had literally tens of thousands of seminar attendees from over a hundred countries around the world. Even at my events, if we stand up and you look around, there is no way you could ever figure out the demographic of that audience. There is no common element of demographic. We got people with kids, without kids, who own, who rent, who have X amount of mil millions of dollars, who are broke. We've got people who have just started the industry, some people who had no experience in the industry. We've got people who come from different careers, who own their businesses. It's all over the place. But what unites them is the ambition they have. So your job is to ask, okay, what is the ambition I'm really selling in my product or my book? And who else is serving up that advice in that lifestyle category? So if, you're, if you wrote a health book, look, go to all the health authors. Don't worry like, well, which health author has the exact same woman program as mine? No, no, which, who's selling health? Find the people selling health, talk to them. Because otherwise, dialing it down, how would you know? And what people say, they'll say, no, spend all this money to do Facebook ads, get the demographic, like, no, no, look, all ambitions are broad ambitions. Health is a broad ambition. 
Career growth, broad ambition. Being a great mother, still a broad ambition. Parenting, broad ambition. Weight loss, broad ambition. Real estate, broad ambition. You need to know who is in your category selling that same ambition. Start there. Sounds like that you might really benefit from reading The Millionaire Messenger, Daniela. So if you don't have that yet, we'll send you a copy. Mads Timmerman, should we outsource Facebook guys, video guys, or hire in-house? Or does it depend on personal preference related to freedom? I would say uh, if you're just starting Mads, outsource, well, first, learn the skills so that you can manage people. Then outsource it. Or if you outsource, make sure they teach you how to do it so that you have that power. Never outsource everything and not develop skill. If you outsource something, you develop the skill from those people you are outsourcing. Make them train you, okay, so you develop skill. Um, but it does depend on your freedom. I mean, do you want an office? Do you want to work virtually? It's totally up to you. In general, my recommendation to people today is base it on, do you want to be a startup founder or not? Meaning, do you want to build a team or not? For 10 years, my team was all virtual, but they were primarily on my team. Now we've got this great new office here in Portland, Oregon, and I'm hiring to be here on location. And the reason that is, is because something, something magic happens, especially after you get to your question, Mads, after you get to like five or 10 people, there is a magic and a speed that happens when those five or 10 people are together in one location. I really think having a virtual team, you can certainly have virtual teams up to you know, 10, 20, 30, even 100 people. I know lots of people in our industry who have that, but they're losing efficiencies. After about 10, especially, please, I'm giving it in context to what you asked, Matt. If you're talking about marketing people, there's nothing like getting marketing people in a room where they're in proximity, where they can share ideas and gain greater speed together. Like, it's different. I've outsourced to lots of different people, but I'll tell you, when you have them there, efficiencies are gained. So it's really about, do you want an office? Do you want lots of people? Otherwise, if it's about freedom, keep it virtual, keep it small, you learn the skills. I was a multimillionaire when it was just me by myself doing the work, literally everything by myself. Then I got customer service support, thank God. Then I got event support, thank God. Then I got video support, thank God. But I was still doing all the marketing. Then one day, last year or the year before, I finally got marketing support. So for a decade, I did it myself on the marketing side, which was great because I learned all the skills. Um, I hope that helps. Okay. Leslie uh, Mosteller asks, what are the metrics on a funnel that's working? <laughs> Mes uh, Leslie, the answer is a funnel is working if you break even. Period. That's the metrics. Period. That's how you know. And I tell people all the time this, they're like, well, should it convert to this or that? I'm like, I don't care. Well, how much money should it make? I don't care. If it makes zero, if it breaks even, you're winning. Because I'm assuming you collected their name and information. And so if you do a campaign and all, it literally makes nothing, but you captured their name and email, lifetime value makes something. So my thing is a funnel works if it's a zero, right? In-house, in-house, okay? Obviously, if you want a bunch of affiliates to promote it, you need a funnel that's converting and making money. So if your affiliates are sending their people there, you want them for like every click, every, you know, that every person hits that page, you want them making between $2 all the way up to 
who knows? It depends on what you're selling. I mean, we have some people here who sell masterminds and they're charging tens of thousands of dollars. So I can't give you the top end, but you want, you know, maybe when the affiliate, if it's like, if they're getting a buck or two bucks a click, sending their people to you, that's pretty good. That's pretty average, I would say. Um, but for you internally, if you spend a dollar or let's, let's you spend a thousand dollars on Facebook ads and you collect all these names and emails and you get all these sales, but you really end up with zero dollars, you're winning, even if you didn't make anything. Because you know what, if you made 10 cents, you're great, now you can send in more. If you make a dollar more, if you make $2, $5, $10 more, now you're rich, because that means you can print money. So for example, if I, spend a, if I could spend a million dollars on a day on Facebook, and at the end of the day, it made me $1,020,000, I would do that every single day forever. Because remember, I also got the customer information so I've got that lifetime value. Uh, Lori Lang, hey Brennan, there are a bazillion courses available now by some big players in the industry. I'm starting to feel lost in all the information. I don't wanna miss the right course, but there are only 24 hours in a day. What are your thoughts about the current online course frenzy? What do you recommend for new business owners? Great, great question. Uh, I think that the online course frenzy is not new. The online course frenzy has been here heavy since I would say 2009. So nothing's changed. It might feel like it has to everybody, but it really hasn't. Because at the end of the day, here's all you need to know. If you're selling things, it doesn't matter how much competition you have. What matters is, are you in front of them? Because people buy what is in front of them. That's it. Get their attention, add value, make an offer. That will always be the case if you're selling. But on the receiving side, I understand there's so many things to learn from. It's really important. Here's what I tell you to do. Don't buy something that just called an online course. What I want you to do is ask yourself, what do you really want to accomplish? And who's already accomplished that? Then look for education from them. Don't try to sort out courses and products and programs just based on one skill or like, I'm sorry, one topic area like online, you know, here's a course on how to make money on the internet. No, who's done what you wanna do? Do they have an education? Do they have a seminar? Do they have a podcast? Do they have a book? Follow the people who've already done what you're doing. Don't just get random people selling random things. Let me give you an example. Since Experts, you know, Experts Academy still sets the bar in the industry, it's the world's number one thought leader training on mark, number one, training on marketing for thought leaders has been since 2008, right? There's just been no comparison to it in terms of, and that doesn't just my opinion, that's if you look at the dollars that that course has made, number of graduates and the results of them, the number of New York Times bestsellers who come out of Experts Academy, the number of people crushing it six figures and seven figures who came out of Experts Academy. It's just, there's just nothing compared to that. But there's probably been, I'm not kidding, 50 people who went through that who've gone out and they teach very similar things now to what I teach and have taught over the last 10 years, I never get upset about it because some of them who took it and you know kind of stole it or they applied their own magic to it, called their own thing, I wouldn't want to learn from them. I always want to learn from the best in the category of someone who's done something I'm trying to achieve. I know that's why some of you guys are here and you trust me to learn from me because I'm doing it every single day. You want somebody 
who's actually doing it. That's their career. They know all the moving parts. They have great perspective. And they're not just teaching you one skill because there's a lot of skills you can learn, but without the bigger picture, without the reason, the mission, the cause, without the, the understanding of all the different elements, it's just another course to spend money on. So I would say something I said earlier today in another live webcast, know exactly what you want and where you're trying to go. Know and find someone or people who've been on that path. Look for education from them, people you know, that you, you, you trust them, you feel like their heart's in it. If you're learning from somebody or listen to podcasters who don't talk about also your other parts of your life, you know, your career, your family, your relationships. I mean, there's a podcaster out there who's really, you know, popular, but he never talks about love, relationships, or mission. And so it's just like lots of tactics, lots of interesting things, but not a real person because you're dealing with real life and you want someone who knows how to deal with real life and help you on the path to accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. I hope that helps you. Neil Raman asks, Brennan, how will you automate and track purchases made on Amazon? How will you confirm that the Amazon receipt is accurate and the not a fake number? Which system will you use to automate this? Uh, we won't use a system for that specific one because we are also allowing people to buy probably on Barnes and Noble. Um, but if they're coming on Amazon and they're entering the receipt number, it's just the number of digits they enter, but it's also pixels. It's if they hit this page and they come back to this other page, we can tell who the real buyers are. But here's this real secret. Even if you don't have that, which I've done lots of campaigns not knowing that, on that page, we make them do one extra step to claim the bonuses. And in that extra step to claim the bonuses, sometimes we'll have an additional sale. And on that additional sale, so even if they didn't buy the book, now on that next page, they become a buyer anyway, accomplishment is made. Lots of people, Neil, to answer your question, don't do anything. They just trust people are true. And I'll tell you that I've done that for most of my campaigns. And here's what I found out. Knowing the industry and the people who've done Amazon campaigns, most of them have a field that might do either by digit or not. But either way, here's what happens. Only about 26% of people lie in an Amazon campaign. That's amazing. 26% of people who enter their name and email and their order number, only 26% of them lie. They actually do want, that means 75% of people or so, they actually do want the book. Now, some people say, oh my God, that's a quarter of people lying. I'm like, not really. You got their email. Sell them some stuff. Hey, you just got a free opt-in. Hey, sell them some stuff. You'll be fine. Lots of people might lie, but you know what? They're not going to be your buyers. Don't even worry about it. But knowing that over you know, three quarters actually did buy it, just let, don't even worry about tracking and automating that if that expensive, if that system's too big to build or to automate for yourself. Hey, it's Brendan from the studio here. I wanna jump in one more time and tell you about one of our partners and that is Kajabi. If you've ever seen any of my marketing online or you have gotten an email from me, or you've just admired kind of what we built by selling, you know, 20 plus blockbuster online courses, or where I go live in my membership areas, or how I accept money online, now well over $100 million over the years. How do I do all that? I've always used Kajabi. It's spelled K-A-J-A-B-I. And Kajabi just helps online entrepreneurs take flight 
because we all have to do the same thing, right? We have to figure out, okay, how do I build a web page? How do I capture emails and send emails and funnels and uh, newsletters? How do I put content up that's for free, but also content up that's behind a paywall that I can charge money for? How do I build those membership sites? How do I organize my podcast or my blog? How do I accept money and create checkouts and order bumps and one-click upsells? How does all of that actually work? You know, if you're a life coach, how do you actually talk to a client and connect with them and schedule with them and serve them and give them a member's portal area? If you're teaching online courses, how do you actually put up the course and set up automations to sell the course and to trigger things like an email to go out when they successfully complete one of your modules? Kajabi does all of that. You even get templates that I helped build and I personally wrote to help you write even better emails to your audience. That's at kajabi.com, K-A-J-A-B-I.com. If you wanted the system that most of us in the thought leader or the expert economy really use and we've relied on for years, go to kajabi.com. Hey, I wanted to hop in here and share with you my love for community.com. Every major celebrity uses this. US presidents use this. The biggest companies in the world use this. They give you a 10-digit phone number, but it's kind of like having an inbox for your texting. You can segment it to people um, and they can reply back. And it's just really cool because you can also send video and you can send audio. And it's so beautiful of a design that it's really easy to figure out. You know, I don't like all those other systems that send out like some weird little code that you just know is like a promotion. The reason they called it community.com is because they really believe you have to have a text community in the modern area. Texting adds a whole other level. People open up their texts way more. It's way more you know, effective as a promotional vehicle. And it's something that I deeply, deeply believe in. In fact, I invested in them and I've advised the senior team. I'm telling you what, my audience loves it. It's increased the engagement across everything I do. And you can get a free demo when you go to community.com, just like it sounds, community.com. Check it out.